Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on the things that we are doing, whether that's podcasts, sermon series, various documents or events that we've got going on, parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. So people are going to have to get used to me having a a plethora of hosts because it used to mostly be Mark and I, and then every once in a while we'd work somebody else in, but it's not possible anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's he's somewhere else. He's somewhere else. So now Pastor Graham is back with me today, but you're going to get used to, you know, a little bit of Alex, a little bit of Rich, a little bit of Graham, a little bit of, I don't know, maybe I'll pull Mark DeWall into one of these at some point. Who knows? Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. It is fun. So. We're diving into the Gospel of Mark. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm loving some of the discussions we're having at Sermon Team and elsewhere. I'm loving just mm-hmm. preaching another gospel. It's so much fun to do. Do you agree with that? Yeah. yeah. No, it's a breath of fresh air. It's actually really nice. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Moving out of some of the crazy things that we preach sometimes and then into the gospel, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for being so awesome. You're easy to preach. So with this episode, what we wanted to do was just talk a little bit about who the disciples are. And you're going to probably fairly quickly read into what we're really saying, but we'll we'll try to save some of the, you know, punchlines for the end. But I, I wanted to just start here with you, Graham, and say, what do we know about the disciples? Who are these people? And then I think the question after that is, so what does that mean for us today? So what do we know about them? Yeah, uh, I think in many ways... We want to know more, right? So you yes. you read scripture, and you're kind of expecting a bio. Uh, so I don't know if you you know if you follow sports or if you follow politics, you can usually just Google someone, and there's going to be a, a bio page sure. of they were born in this city. They, uh, you know, their mom's name was this. Sure, but you don't necessarily get that with all of the disciples when you read uh, when you read the Bible. Uh, Really, really, it seems like you get maybe their profession, mm-hmm. uh, and then you get Jesus meeting them, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're following this Jesus guy who uh, <laughs> wants to wants to flip life upside down a little bit. So, yeah, it's it leaves you longing, that's for sure. And there's a couple of them that we have no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the son of Alphaeus, we have almost no information about that individual. Yep. We don't know what he did. We don't even know who Alphaeus is. And what's interesting is some of the things that people think they know about the disciples isn't even from the Bible. It's from tradition that is in various places that I don't even know if you can trust all of it. Right. And they've pieced these things together and they're like, we know exactly who this person was and what they did. We have no idea where Peter was born. We have no idea how close in age Simon, Peter, and Andrew are. We have no idea how young these individuals are. We have no idea how old they are. There's a couple passages that we've... We've pieced things together. You know, there's the famous temple tax passage where Jesus says to Peter, you know, what are you talking about? Do we pay the temple tax? Why would I pay the temple tax? I, you know, I, I own the place. That's, that's my translation. That's not even close to what he says. But then CSV. Pe- yeah, yeah, that's the, C- that's the Chris standard version. But then Peter has to run down to the, to the creek, basically catch a fish. And inside the fish is a four drachma coin, which would pay for Jesus and Peter. 
But what's interesting about that is the temple tax is only paid by people who are 20 years old and older. So the question some scholars have asked is, so is Peter the only one who's old enough to pay the temple tax? If that's the case, then only Peter and Jesus are old enough to be 20 or older, which is interesting. Or did Jesus just do that to try to prove a point to Peter and the rest of the 11 didn't have to pay? I could make a case either way. So is Peter the only one and he's older than 20? The rest of them are teenagers. I could make a case for that or I could go the other direction. But we don't know. Yep. We know we know Simon Peter. You know, we know that his Jewish name is is Simon. We know that he eventually gets the name Peter from Jesus. We know that he's brothers with Andrew. We know James and John have some kind of correlation to them, whether they know each other beforehand or not. You know, the the chosen and other shows have sort of speculated that they were really good friends. We don't know that. We we don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. We have we have no idea. We know they follow Jesus, but that's about it. Yep. And we all want to know more. And we think, oh, they're so special. They're so amazing. Now, they're pretty normal people, at least as far as we can tell. And on top of that, I think what's striking to me is that's true of most biblical characters. We know very little of where they come from, who they are, what color hair they have, what color eyes they have, how tall they are. And the ones that we do know those information things on probably aren't the people we want to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Goliath is this tall. Well, I don't want to be like him. I don't really care how tall he was. <laughs> so the point we're making is we know almost nothing about them, which is frustrating. I don't know. It is for me at least. Yeah. No, I think if you're if you're looking to I don't know, I think I think the Bible's fascinating and I think the people in it is fascinating too. Yes. So there is there is a degree in which like man, I just I just want to know everything about who this person was uh and who this person now becomes after following Jesus to sure. What, what did they care about? What, right. what was their motivation? Um, like I know, you know, introspectively what I care about and I know the things right. that like enhance my walk with Jesus. I know the things that hinder my walk with Jesus. I'd, I'd love to know that about Peter a little bit more, you know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. or a Judas or a, or a Matthew, some of these disciples that we just, we just don't quite have that detail. So no, we don't. And so I, I would caution you, if you are watching The Chosen or if you've watched a Jesus movie or you've read a book on the disciples, be very cautious with what you read or what you see portrayed. And even The Chosen has said this repeatedly. We know very little. We're building, they've even said, we're building stories on the edges. Right. So they're using what could be plausible and allowed because the scripture doesn't speak directly against this thing. And they're adding that in to sort of build a, a storyline, a, a concept. So I've had people ask me, so did Peter really get in trouble with the Romans and had to pay a huge debt? We don't know that. that but it's a plausible possibility. Mm-hmm. That would have been really cool. And if he catches all those fish and he pays the debt, that's a really cool way to make the connection. But we have no idea. The scriptures don't actually say that specifically, which I think to me is frustrating, but also really encouraging to me. Part of the reason why we don't know much about them is because they weren't writing about themselves. Mm-hmm. They're writing about Jesus. He's yeah. the most important thing that they want to know about, that they want to tell us about. So with that said, we can get really creative if we wanted to, and we could talk about their daily lives or what daily lives might've been like in the first century without any real information. Yeah. Yeah. From the scriptures. So what are, let's just pretend here for a little bit. What are some of the things that we might think of for just a normal everyday person in the, in the first century? Mm-hmm. And I think this is where the chosen takes creative liberty. Like, I think, I don't know that we always do well at using imagination to think through 
you know, what is, what is the kingdom of heaven going to be like? And mm-hmm. maybe you don't have concrete detail of, of everything, but the details that you do have, like allow yourself to just think about it and allow yeah. yourself to, to add color and to add flavor and, and whatever you need to do to, uh, to just mentally be excited and anticipate what that's going to look like. So I, sure. I do think you can do that a little bit with the disciples as well. Uh, so, you know, first century living, it's not, it's not luxury. No. Uh, and, and most of these disciples, they're, they're not coming from a place of luxury. Actually, they're, they're likely kind of your, your day-to-day mm-hmm. individual who, if I don't go work today, I'm not sure I'll have food tomorrow. Uh, so, you know, you think about the life of a fisherman, that's, that's at least a quarter of the disciples, right? Where mm-hmm. they're, they're going out and it's a, it's a dirty job, right? You're, you're, you're handling fishing nets that who knows how many times have been thrown in the water, who knows what you've taken out of those things, right? Uh, who knows how many unsuccessful uh, fishing trips you've had where you come home and, and you talk to your family and you just say, I'm, I'm sorry, we didn't catch anything today. We're really going to have to be tight on the food that we have this yeah. week. Uh, so, so the, the day-to-day activities uh, for a lot of the disciples were just, you wake up in the morning and your, your arm is hurting because you cast the net in a weird way sure. yesterday and sleeping it off just didn't work. And, and you just have to muster through right. and, and live this next day. Uh, but you're waking up and you're not really sure how much you can eat that day because maybe, maybe fishing all week hasn't been going well. And, and you're just, you're already hungry but you know, you're, you're probably living with family, right? So you probably have mm-hmm. parents or in-laws living with you. There might be several families even living with you, mm-hmm. uh, that you feel responsible for. And, uh, then you, you, you take your rations of food and you, you go to work and you probably work most of the day in right. an attempt to, yeah, to build up what you need to. So, yeah, so that's, that's the first thing I, th- I think through is like, totally. it's, it's not luxury. It's not easy uh for for most people at this time and i think one of the things that i've when i sit and ponder this sometimes i think about all the things that i just take for granted in my modern life i mean salt and pepper for example is a pretty basic concept that at least the pepper that we use today wouldn't have been available to them i mean Mm -hmm. salt was plentiful so you would have had access to salt but we just take it for granted that there's going to be a salt shaker and a pepper shaker on a table. That's a fairly new development. The fact that you can go to a grocery store and buy things, that didn't exist at this time. So you're talking about, did we catch enough stuff to even keep some of it ourselves and eat? Right? You, you might have a little garden that until those things ripen, you don't have access to that fruit or you don't have access to that whatever, whatever crop it is. You've, you've got next to nothing you are struggling day to day just to get through everyday life. And on top of that, you know, you've, you've got the normal things that we all fight through, which is potential marital strife or a, a kid that's rebellious or a child that's not listening to you, or you're, you're trying to get them to the synagogue so they can learn from the rabbis and be taught at what they would have considered school, which their version of school was very religious education, right? Today we, We've separated most of those things out. We pay teachers where that didn't exist back then. You know, you, mm-hmm. you paid a rabbi and the rabbi taught all everybody in the whole village. You also didn't have that many people alive. So 
it's not as easy as we think of it. And so I think sometimes what we do is we we take a first century person and we sort of slap a 21st century ideal on them and we go, oh, that's great. And then on top of that with the disciples, we look at them and we think they are the heroes of the faith as far as following Jesus goes. So their lives must have been easy. They must have figured it all out. They must have been so you know, so special, so that we revere them now. You know, there's certain branches of the Christian faith that, you know, do things like bury statues of these individuals in people's yards or talk about them and, oh, that's the saint of this or that. Mm -hmm. They're not those things. They're just normal people who experienced Jesus and were never the same after that. Yeah, that's so true. And and in some way that veneration... uh, it can make it difficult today for us to to think that we can live into following Jesus as well. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Even in my my history of following Jesus, I've looked at certain individuals and been like, "Man, I can just never. I can never be that. I can sure. never be that good, or I can never be that that holy, or whatever term you want to use." Uh, and that can feel discouraging. And I think we can you can apply the same mentality towards the disciples of. Wow, when they when they went through Pentecost, they received the Holy Spirit there, and right. all of a sudden they're they're running through towns, and uh, I forget there's there's passages that talk about three thousand people coming to know Jesus, and uh, and I look at my life and the day to day, and I'm I'm like, okay, yeah, it can be really easy to do the compare and contrast game, and and just say I'm not that, and right. um, that can feel discouraging, but. Yeah, perhaps we're not we're not quite thinking through that the way we should be right. when that happens. Right. Yeah. I think that's the thought that I really want to focus our attention on for the next little bit here. And really, it's the point of this whole episode of the podcast. That veneration, we've built them up into something that they're not. So we got to be careful with that. But that should also encourage us that we're just normal folks trying to walk with Jesus. It's the same struggles and pressures we have are the same pressures and struggles they had. What happened is Jesus called them to something and they responded. So they were no longer a fisherman. Just like today, you're no longer a factory worker or they're no longer a tax collector and you're no longer a government official. I mean, those things are pretty comparable in Mm -hmm. some ways, right? I mean, Philip is a farmer as far as we can tell. That speaks to a lot of people that listen to this podcast from our church. Mm -hmm. A lot of people and we don't have a lot of professionals in the first century that we know of because the middle class really didn't exist. You were either super wealthy, king or queen, you know, government official type, or you were broke struggling through the day. And 97 to 98% of the whole world was that broke, right. had no chance. So home ownership was kind of a joke, you know, you... You have a family house that has been built on, like you said, there might be multiple families living in this structure now because in-laws have crowded together with other in-laws. So your meals at night are pretty scant. You know, you've got some bread and you've got some meat possibly, and then some greens maybe that you pulled off of something or fruit that you found somewhere. That's it. And you eat that. You're, you're thankful to God for what he's given you. And then you go, you go to bed, maybe hungry, wake up the next morning ready to go to the grind all over again. Mm -hmm. And so if there's ever a moment in your life where you feel like I'm not a good disciple because I don't have enough faith and I don't have what I need today. No, the the disciples 
in the first century probably get that better than you do. We, we live in a totally different world. And at the same time, they were faithful to Jesus. You can be faithful to Jesus too. Their issues were, are, are your issues. They, they had issues with their kids. They had issues with their spouses. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. You know, I, I guarantee you Peter's mother-in-law being sick in Mark 1 didn't necessarily translate well to his wife, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he might come home and just imagining Peter, because the first century fishermen usually fished at night. So I can imagine the sun goes down, you hop on your boat, you go out with your nets, you go all night long. And you, she knows that her mom's sick and her mom needs treatment of some sort. And you come home the next day and say, I didn't catch anything. Well, we can't sell anything. We can't go down to, you know, I'm, I'm making up names now, but, you know, David's house to, to buy that, that salve that my mom needs to get fixed here. Or, hey, walk up to Bethsaida. I heard that they have this potion that you can use to fix this. If you think about that and you think about the story, or if you think about it, maybe another way to put it is think about the story behind the story. You can build a pretty elaborate scenario where Peter's struggling with stresses of the world that we feel today. And then a guy comes along and just says, come follow me. Uh, Let me give up my career and everything else to come follow you. And Peter doesn't bat an eye, he just does it. That's interesting to me. Yep. Yeah, and... The, the way that you're painting that, too, is, is Peter's life was incredibly ordinary. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily anything special that Jesus saw in him and said, yep, you're following me now. Uh, he, he was just your, your typical day-to-day fisherman. And mm-hmm. uh, Jesus just decided, you're, you're with me now. And, and Peter, Peter decides to, to follow. And so, I, yeah, I... To follow Jesus doesn't require a special gift or an ability or a means of income or, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, you can be the most ordinary average Joe and then Jesus comes along and says, I want you to follow me and everything else is, is, is lost compared to following him. Right. So, or you could be extraordinary. And that doesn't even matter compared to following Jesus because nope. following Jesus is so much better. So what a great point. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the disciples, we don't know much about them, but that is what we know about them is, is they had lives that were, that were basic, ordinary. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus comes along and everything is just colorful. Everything is enhanced. Everything is, uh, is completely flipped upside down, not because life the day-to-day ordinariness changed. I'm, I'm sure they still had days that they woke up, they attempted to put food on the plate, and right. and that was that was still basic. But this time they're doing it with Jesus. This time they're doing it following right. the Messiah. And that just completely changes the game. Well, and as you mentioned before we started this episode, they're still not even getting it right always after they start following Jesus, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you, you brought that story of Peter and Acts. Why don't you lay that out for us real quick? Yeah, well, this even this comes from you. Just you asked the question of when do you think Peter actually gets it and oh, follows and yeah. follows Jesus, right? Is it is it when he's asking Jesus to let him walk on water? Uh, is it right before he says where Jesus goes to the cross and and Peter says, "I'll I'll never deny you. I'll I'll follow you." And then the next paragraph is Jesus saying, "You're going to deny me three times before uh, before I go to the cross." Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then you, you have the story of after, after Jesus has died and resurrected and, and appears to the disciples and it's actually a fishing story where right. they're out fishing and there's this individual who's walking along the shore and, and the disciples are looking at him. They're like, who is that? Right. And then Peter recognizes it's, it's Jesus and he just plunges into the water and right. runs after him. So yeah, you, you just have all of these stories along the way where we want to put the disciples on this pedestal still and say, but they're following Jesus. They must be, they must be perfect. They must be awesome. They must be wonderful. And in many ways they are, but in, in many other ways too, they're, they're still just learning the course. They're still just, mm-hmm. what does the day-to-day obedience to the Lord look like? And Peter's the perfect example of this. Of He has really high highs, but he also has really low lows. But there's this trajectory of, no, he's growing in love mm-hmm. of the Lord. He's growing in faithfulness to him. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's again, just this ordinary life that mm-hmm. we're very human and we're very broken even when we follow Jesus. But the invitation that Jesus makes to us is come follow me. I hold the good news of the gospel because right. I, I am the good news. Right. Uh, and he invites us into that life. And so, yeah, when, when we were talking before on this podcast, like that's, it's actually your, your concept there that, that got me thinking through. Yeah. Yeah, even when, when Jesus calls us into following him, regardless of talent or ability, we, we still have moments of, of choice. Am I going to mm-hmm. choose the good way of Jesus or am I going to choose the good way or the bad way of the flesh? And often we don't make the right decision, right. Uh, but we're changed this time though right? because we, we know where, where truth is found and we can constantly run back to that. Mm-hmm. Man, I wish I could take credit for that. I don't even know who I stole it from at this point. Yeah, well, that's everything. That sure, we teach, right? But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody somewhere along the way asked me that question. Like, at what point did Peter really get it? And I, I pondered it for weeks and came back to them and said, "I don't know." He said, "That's my point." So I've just passed it on to you guys because it, it, I struggled with it because we even see him as a church leader in the Book of Acts, not being willing to eat with Gentiles. Yep. So he still hasn't figured it out, right? Yep. Or you've got the Paul and Barnabas story that we talked about in Acts 15, where those two get in such a severe disagreement about whether to bring John Mark along on the trip or not, that they go their separate ways and do two different missionary journeys. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know if Barnabas's journey is more successful than Paul's at that point, because we only follow Paul because Paul's the main character of the rest of the story. But it's very possible that they both get back to the church in Antioch and Barnabas says, I reached 15,000 people for the Lord. And Paul's like, I only reached 5,000 people for the Lord. And, but Barnabas just sort of like disappears into the, you know, into the mist of, of history. These are all very, 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 very normal people. So if you're a factory worker, follow Jesus and be a Jesus follower on that line. You're, you're no different than, than a fisherman. If you are, struggling to make ends meet today and you don't know if there's gonna be enough money in the in your paycheck to get through friday welcome to the club i mean you're a disciple of jesus focus your attention on him that doesn't mean that you don't give still right (laughs) you know there's this idea that we i'll give when it's easy or i'll i'll find a way to serve jesus when it's when it's the right time or i'll i'll love my my wife one day when it gets easier it never gets easier none of these things work i'm just using crazy examples at this point these mm-hmm. are not like heartfelt confessions from me 
But those things are things that we struggle with. And then we go, I must be a terrible disciple. I'm never going to figure this out. And at least from my opinion, when I read the, the gospels, I say, man, no, these, these guys get it. They totally get what it is. And there's a ton more disciples than these 12. There's so many people following Jesus. And out of that group, Jesus calls these 12. And then he commissions them to be the one that go for him and be his apostles. But then even that, shortly thereafter, he sends out 72. So there's a bunch of people that we don't even know their names. They're just normal Joes and Janes and, you know, whatever, whatever word you want to use there, who are just walking with Jesus and their lives are changed because of it. So I think the question we'd be asking you is, are your, is your life changed? Are you following Jesus? And how is, how is your life being impacted by, by following Jesus? Yeah, I think, I think the implication is keep it simple, right? So mm-hmm. let's not, let's not see, let's not see a Peter and be intimidated by, I can never do that. But instead just see him as, no, he's someone that's ordinary that allowed Jesus to take over. And we are people that are ordinary and hopefully allowing Jesus to take over too. 